Okay, so this is our final episode of 2018, which can mean only one thing. It's game of the year time. Uh, We have a couple of things that we're going to do today. So the first half of the episode, we're going to be talking about our runners-up. Then we're going to talk about our personal game of the years. We maybe come to a consensus for the remaster game of the year, but probably not. Uh, knowing mm. as this stuff has gone in the past that we each pick completely different games. Um, but and then we're also going to talk about our favorite platforms of the year. Can you even imagine what that might end up being? We'll see. Um, but we're going to do this. Uh, we have we we did not set any real rules for this, except that none of us know what the others are picking. Uh, so what that has meant is we have completely different amounts of uh, runners up in our list. So we're gonna we're gonna go. I'm gonna we're all gonna go through our personal lists. So I have uh, five games that are my runners up, and I want to start. I want to start with kind of an apology. Okay. To Red Dead Redemption Two. Okay. Because. Why an apology. <laughs> I have not played enough of this game. Oh yeah, I'm on the same boat. Actually. So my really like I, I this may this is probably the game of the year for a lot of our listeners and I expect as the lists start coming out over the next few weeks it's going to be top 3 everywhere, right? It's what I of what I have played of Red Dead Redemption 2, it is an amazing game. Um, but it came at a terrible time for me. It, it, from it was I, I was traveling when the game came out and wasn't home for a week until after it was released. Then there was just a bunch of stuff happening in the technology world, and then Pokemon came out. So Red Dead Redemption Two came at like the very worst time. So yeah. I will play more of it because I want to, but I just haven't. Uh, yet like but i have some initial impressions at least um it's a very slow game which took me some time to get used to um but the slow pace is nice but it i had to get used to it and it feels slower at least i have more of an impression of this game feeling slower than the original red dead um and this might have something to do with the way the game opens even you know the original red dead starts off in an action scene if memory serves me correctly and this one, it, the pace is a lot slower, I think, kind of right from the jump. Um, it's a stunning game. It looks beautiful. Uh, it, it, the world is is really very impressive. I I get a sense of this game that the mission paths feel a lot more open than even other Rockstar games. Like, I feel mm. like I have a lot more choices about what I can do or what I want to do. Um, and even within the missions themselves... I feel that there's a lot of decisions. You know, one of the really interesting things that this game is there are in basically every substantial mission, you get to make pretty significant choices from a morality perspective about the way you want to play your character. You know, there are a lot of people you can kill or let go. And I find that to be really interesting. It's actually one of the things I like about Red Dead compared to Grand Theft Auto. Where in Grand Theft Auto, you just have to be the, the worst human you can possibly be. But in G- in Red Dead Redemption, you have a choice, and it's perfectly valid to play either way. But you get the choice. Um, also, of course, the writing is excellent. Uh, I've come across some 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 of the funniest stuff I've ever seen in a video game, um, like from a kind of intellectual level and from a just a 
comedy standpoint. It's very, very good. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 is, is clearly a great game, but I've just not put enough time into it uh, to, to really consider it my even close to my game of the year because it would just be unfair okay. to everything else. Okay, so it's your first runner-up. Yeah. Um, these aren't particularly ranked. Actually, yeah, they are ranked. I've looked at my list. I was like, no, this is the rank that I would put them in. Uh, okay. My next runner-up, so I, actually this is going to be uh, my, what's it, entry number five on my game of the list. So Red Dead Redemption 2 is six. Number five is okay. Beat Saber. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Be- Beat Saber is the best VR game I've ever played, without a shadow of a doubt. It is exactly the type of game that VR should give because the developers of Beat Saber, they took a genre, rhythm game, and they they reimagined it for virtual reality. But Beat Saber is fast-paced, exciting, and adrenaline-pumping. Uh, you feel like the world's best drummer in a way. Like it's closest to drumming, I think, is the is the closest thing uh, you could akin you, like from an instrumental level. You could you could draw parallels to. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. I really love this game. It has a great feel to it. My only criticism and why I haven't ranked it higher is I, I'm kind of disappointed that they haven't had more songs available until now. Um, and I, it's something that's coming for the game. But the selection of songs that it has, whilst they're great, you kind of run through them. And there are ways that you can you can kind of hack in other songs. There's like a community of modding for this game. But I would have liked to have seen uh, the developers have more songs available by now. Um, and I'm really excited for the next set of songs. And I hope that they're able at some point to do some licensed music as well, because that would be really fun. But Beat Saber is is a wonderful game. Uh, it's, it's my only uh, VR entry on this list. Um, and yeah, I, I am an absolute fan of it. It is a wonderful, wonderful game. Uh, and if you have... Any, because I think it's everywhere for VR now. Uh, it get launched on PlayStation not too long ago. Um, That's right. If you have the ability, if you have a, a VR headset and you have not yet played Beat Saber, you should rectify it because it's yeah. wonderful. I played the game at Mike's house and it was very intense. Um, I think at some point I I almost knocked your computer over. Um, yeah, and you nearly destroyed my lampshade as well, but. Yes, uh, it was. Everybody it does was, when they play this game. It, it was perfect and it was incredible. And uh, if you can play Beat Saber, highly, highly recommended. That's a great pick, Mike. Uh, my number four is Spider Man. Ooh, okay, okay. See, now, that's funny. I would have expected I, that to come higher. Yeah, yeah I w- no, me neither. Okay. So here's the thing. I remember, I mean, you can probably cast the the tape back where I said, this is going to be everybody's game of the year. Yes. Like, that was what I I felt that that was going to be a lock for game of the year. You even bought the PlayStation 4 Pro to match, right? Yes, you did. I sure did. But that was was not a, because I think this is going to be the best game thing. It was because I, have I, have I told you my HDR story? No, we don't know your HDR story. All right, so... I bought the PS4 Pro so I could have uh, HDR 4K to play play to play Spider Man. I was waiting. I was like, "This is gonna yeah. be it, right?" Yeah, I got it, and I was like, "This is a great game. Looks wonderful. So cool." 
I got Red Dead Redemption 2 and I started it up and uh, I was having some issues with the color calibration. Like, you know, when you're trying to set it to like light and dark, like it just wasn't, you know, some games are like, oh, I'll set it so you can barely see the logo. It was yeah. too bright. And I was like, this is super weird. So I went into my TV settings. I was like, oh, my TV must be doing some weird color stuff. And I, I noticed that the resolution on the PlayStation was, was not at 4K. It was oh. like... 1080p or whatever. I was like, what's going on here? I realized I have three HDMI ports on my TV. Uh huh. Only two of them were for 4K. What? The third one was 1080p. Oh. I played okay. all of Spider Man in 1080p. <laughs> no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, no. And it will answer why I thought to myself, I was playing this game. This is really amazing, but it's not. Like, I'm not as excited about this as everybody else seems to be. Well, that was why, because I did not play it in 4K HDR. I just played it in 1080p. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm pleased that there is downloadable content for this game. So I will be able to go in at some point, maybe, and actually get the full experience that I paid for. But, you know, there are a lot of people who play in 1080p just to get 60 frames per second. Yeah, so I was definitely getting sixty frames, but that wasn't yeah. what I was what I was going for. But it's just kind of funny, really. So um, I had my Switch plugged in to one of the four K HDMI ports, <laughs> so you know, I was really getting all that f- sweet four K out of the Switch, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> the sweet four K menus mm-hmm. on the Switch. So yeah. they, that mm-hmm. has been changed now, and uh, that that's my my embarrassing story. Of, uh, okay, of but what, what about the game, though? All right, so Spider-Man lived up to the hype, right? I, I was not disappointed by this game because all of the things that I was looking for, it delivered on. It is beautiful. Like, it is a beautiful game. Even at 1080p, it is a beautiful game. You know, like, just the lighting effects and stuff like that, like they really they really worked very hard to make this a beautiful game as well as a, a, a well-playing game. It has fast-paced, well-choreographed web-slinging, which is incredibly fluid um, and is the best movement in a game, a Spider-Man game since Spider-Man 2, which is exactly what this game needed to be if it was going to be a success. The story is great. It is engaging. I really wanted to play through it because I was super invested in it. It has some great fan service, some great shocking moments if you're a Spider-Man fan, but can be really enjoyed without it. Um, I think that they chose a great, like, part like a great part of of peter peter parker's life to to draw on um it was very well done but the game is let down by the side missions the repetitiveness of the side missions Mm. in this game was as repetitive as as like the last generation you know in in consoles right like there was not enough enough depth in this game outside of the story in my opinion there were lots of different categories of things that you could do, but once you've done each of them once, they're not fun anymore. It's just the same thing. It's just a grind. Um, now, the, the the ones where you are like going around and collecting up the bags, they're fine because you're exploring more of the map, or when you're going around and like turning on the radio towers, they're fine. But all of the missions like that are focused around stop this car, yeah, save this, yeah. but that they're they're exactly the same every time. Um, really, in my opinion, they should have done just the exploration and just kind of like the wave based um, 
the battle boss like battles where you'd fight like waves of enemies and then when you would also break into a base and beat everyone up in it because there's at least variation in the ai interacting in different ways everything else may as well have not been included in this game um i personally would have preferred just not to have them than to have mm-hmm. been let down because i don't think i would have felt let down by i mean this is me personally by a lack of additional content because I would have just got more story in the DLC, um, but I was left with a bad taste in my mouth because it felt like the work had just been, not been completed for this. Like there should have been more. Like th- every Spider-Man game has felt like this, but I would have expected the PlayStation Four Spider-Man game to have had more depth to it. Uh, so mm. it, it was there was a disappointment, and it's why this game didn't go any higher. Because the other games on my list surprised me more and are more like well-rounded overall packages without a part of it that I don't like. So that's why Spider-Man kind of is where it is um, on my list. I think I kind of agree with that. Um, especially the the comment on the side missions all being repetitive and all the same. Yeah, I totally get it. Okay, what's next? Number three is Hold Down. Okay. Um, all right. Hold Hold Down is my favorite iOS game of the year. Um, it was a real surprise to me, uh, but I love it. I, I'm a huge Peggle fan, have been for years. Uh, this game reminded me of some of the reasons why I love Peggle. It shares some of the DNA that it's just the other way around and you're shooting at different things. But I like those these kinds of games. Um, I love the slow motion effects and just the graphical touches all, all around are fantastic. Um, it's addictive in the way that iOS, that good iOS games are addictive. You know, it's not using bad tactics. It's addictive because you just can't stop playing it. Um, it has a great thing that I like in iOS games that it can be also played mindlessly. So my thinking of this is when I'm on an airplane. You know, I have a few games like this, like Threes. Now Hold Down has, has taken uh, a place in that pantheon of games that I can keep installed because I can just keep playing them forever. Flip Flop Solitaire is one of them. Pocket Run Pool is another one of them, which is a game that came out this year, which I also really enjoyed. But um, yeah, my only thing about Hold Down is I wish there was more of it, um, and I hope there will be more of it. Uh, I would love more of it. I, I would love a Hold Down too, which is just more of that. Please, really, really great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my second place is Celeste. Oh, not game of the year. Okay. Not game of the year. Very close for Celeste. Very close. Um, You played that a ton, didn't you? Yeah, I finished it, which is a difficult... It's not difficult, but it's a big game to finish. Um, And I've played a bunch of the B-sides, which are like the, the harder levels and stuff like that. Celeste is the most emotionally affecting game that I've played this year. It is a wonderful story about overcoming your demons. Um, And it deals with some really challenging things in a very beautiful way. Uh, I don't think I have ever been as happy to play such a challenging game. Like, Celeste's mechanic is you're going to die a lot. Like, it is a mechanic in the game. And the way that it deals with that is is wonderful. And the way that you revive and start again is wonderful. Like, everything about it. The, the sounds that the game makes, the way that the 
the the animations and the sounds work together you know like the sound of you dying is like locked in my brain like i know that noise uh it is but it is a good noise it doesn't feel like a bad noise the music is incredible i've listened to the soundtrack a bunch um, the artwork is stupendous, like the the pixel art and the kind of more hand drawn animations that they use uh, for the characters when they're talking to each other. It's wonderful. It was it. This was a super close second place. I had to really, really think about this. Uh, I have some reasons, specific reasons for why my number one is my number one. Um, that that just edged it out for me. But on a more average year, Celeste would have would have won this for me. It is an incredible game that I enjoyed immensely. So they are my runners-up. Okay, so these are all your runners-up, Mike. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I have three runners-up. And uh, so in total, fourth place uh, in my overall games of the year, Spider-Man PS4. Um I was really looking forward to Spider-Man, and it did not disappoint. I, unlike Michael, played in 4K HDR with my PS4 Pro. (laughs) Really enjoyed the visuals. (laughs) Um, I still haven't finished the game, and this is why it is not um, higher in my list. But I agree with Mike's comments on on the repetitiveness of, of side missions. But I think the fact that I've been playing this game slowly... I didn't rush through the game. I feel like that aspect of the game hasn't had such a negative impact on me because I'm picking up this game every few days. Um, I'm, you know, going going back in every so often and doing a, you know, a couple of main story missions and a, you know, like a handful of side missions. Mm-hmm. I love exploring New York as yes. Spider Man. I love the way that it feels alive. I love how you can go on, you can walk or you can just fly and, you know, fly above the skyscrapers and view from a different perspective. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a huge Marvel person. I am not familiar with many of the popular Spider-Man storylines. I only saw my first Avengers movie last year or earlier this year, actually. So I'm not a huge comic book person myself, but uh, I'm uh, I'm enjoying the story. I'm enjoying how it's written for everybody. Like Peter Parker is generally generally funny, <laughs> and um, the story is great. The graphics are amazing, and the combat feels good. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to pick this game over uh, God of War, for example. That I also haven't finished, but I feel like. Spider-Man feels more rewarding and more fun, whereas God of War is more brutal, if that makes sense. Yep. So, the, the combat and the graphics and the fun and the and the story and the visuals all together make this one of the best games that I played this year. Um, really happy that I that that I'm taking my time to fully enjoy this game. Um, second runner-up, so third place, Pokemon. Let's go. Um this is not my game of the year because I'm I haven't finished the game I haven't finished the game and um I don't feel drawn to this game as much as I as I'm drawn to the two other games that I'm going to mention. Um it is a beautiful game and it is the perfect um comeback for the original titles for the original 151 Pokemon. 
It looks lovely on the Switch, and it's the perfect it's the perfect Pokemon game for the Switch at this moment in time before a main series game comes out. Um, I was skeptical of the catching mechanics at first. I still believe that there's a place for the traditional uh, Pokemon experience and the Pokemon Go insp- inspired experience. That said. I'm actually enjoying the mix of traditional Pokemon when you're fighting a trainer and le- and Pokemon Go mechanic, uh, catching mechanic with no fighting at all when you're dealing with wild Pokemon. I think it creates a nice balance between these two experiences. It adds variety to the game, but most importantly, because Pokemon are shown on the world map and because fighting, quote-unquote, fighting them is so much easier than before. Exploring the world of Pokemon Let's Go is not as much as a chore as it used to be. Mm-hmm. I remember playing as a kid, and when I needed to go into, you know, uh, the first cave that is full of Zubats, I hated that cave yes. because every couple of steps I would be interrupted by a random every, encounter. Every reviewer specifically has pointed out the Zubat problem. Yes. When talking about in Pokemon, In Pokemon Let's Go, you're free to choose. And I think it's... a it, it's a reflection of our of this era of video games, being able to choose the kind of experience you want. And it's even more true on the Switch, which is a console that lets you choose the kind of experience that you want, whether it's on a big TV or in your hands as a portable console. So I think Pokemon Let's Go is a game that, as soon as I'm done with the other two that I'm going to mention, um, is the game that I will spend a lot of hours playing. I don't think it will be as challenging or as much a time sink like older pokemon games that i played for 200 and plus hours um i think it will be compared to those games it will be easier to complete the the pokedex of of this one for example but it's one of the best games that i played on the switch this year and i played many and even though i've only only played uh, 25 or so hours um it is definitely uh, among the top four, and I cannot wait to fully get back into this game once I'm done with the others. Um, okay, so third runner-up and second place for my games of the year, Dead Cells. Um, oh, I thought that was going to be number one. Um, Dead Cells is the best 2D action game that I played in recent memory. Um, it was totally unexpected. I was not familiar with this uh, studio. I was not familiar with this game. It w- used to be on Steam Early Access for a long time. Came out on consoles, I think, over the summer. I became obsessed with Dead Cells in August and September. It, uh, um, this game helped, uh, helped me keep my sanity as I was working on my iOS 12 review. But it was so, it was, and, and it's funny because it's not a relaxing game at all. It's an action game that requires you to pay attention and requires you to master the controls. Um, it's a 2D roguelike action game with some RPG components in that, unlike other lo- roguelikes, you get to keep certain upgrades over time. And But it's an, it's an unforgiving game. Um, you're going to die a lot. You're going to start over a lot. Uh, the game is massive in that there's so many areas that you can explore and so many secrets that you can unlock. But it's it's a rare example of a 2D roguelike 
with such a unique style and such a unique combat mechanic. And even though it's a 2D game, when you move the character, when you fight, when you jump, you feel the weight of the character. It's hard to describe what it feels like, but it's a, it's a Mario-level quality coming from an indie studio that you feel such a strong connection to the character that you control on screen. And plus, it also appeals... This game also appeals to me because of the... Um, uh, because of the collect, collection mechanics that there are. Like all the weapons that you can upgrade, all the weapons that you can collect, and, you know, accumulating coins that you can spend on, on upgrades and certain skills. Um, it's really well done. It looks lovely. It's creepy and engaging and hard and so difficult, like the last area of the game. This is why I need to finish this game, because I keep dying in the last area of the game. Um, I've played something around, I think, 40, 50 hours of that cells at this point, and, wow. and I still feel like I suck at this game. I know that there are some people that are so much better than, than me at playing this game, but this is why I... It is the almost the game of the year for me. Um, it's because I I keep going back to it, and it's a game that I that it's one of those games that I miss if I don't play for a while. So that sells um, almost my game of the year. That's a surprise. Mm. Mm -hmm. I thought that would make make your number one. Okay. Because you of course persuaded me to buy that game. Uh huh. Your okay. recommendation was because yeah. you know I'd heard about it elsewhere, but the way you talked about it was like. Yes, this is my cup of tea. Yeah. So I guess that leaves me with my list of honorable mentions. Yes. In eighth place is... <laughs> eighth. Oh, my <laughs> word. <laughs> okay. Strap is, is God of War on the PS4. Okay. And it's not eighth place because it's the eighth best game of the year. These are my games of the year. And very often the number that they occupy in my list is dictated purely by the amount of time I was able to give them. Yeah, yeah. Expressed as a ratio of their overall significance as a game in its entirety. In other words, if what I'm playing is a microcosm of the whole game, then I think it's fair to rank it um, as if I'd played most of it. But I know very well that God of War wasn't like that. God of War was very much a game of increasing skill, uh, increasing complexity, uh, mastery, environment, story, all of the things that made the original one of my favorite games of all time. And rebooted to show Kratos in a slightly softer light. I mean, let's face it, he's still brutal. He throws an axe for crying out loud. But I just didn't get to play enough of it. And this is my biggest concern about video games at the moment. I read an article last night. It was an interview with Amy Hennig, one of my favorite people in the video games industry. And uh, she talked about this issue as well, the, the relentless drive towards bigger and bigger budgets. And of course, she's worked on some of the biggest budget games around and her wanting to find a place where you could make an emotional impact on people without spending so much money because it's just not sustainable. So I feel sad because 10, I think it was 10 years ago, maybe a little more, 
Yeah, 12 years ago, I played the first God of War, uh, December 2005. And that went straight into my top eight. I have this thing about eight. I guess I'm a programmer, and so I think in binary. And uh, God of War was right up there. But this one, I just didn't get to play enough. I just didn't find the time. I didn't, And when I did have the time, I didn't have the opportunity. You know, when you have youngsters running around, you don't want them to see an 18-rated game. And the other thing is just consoles, man. I mean, you know, consoles... The reason I loved consoles to begin with was because they were so easy to set up and get started. And it helped me in my transition away from PC because I was more a PC guy before. And now with update this and update that, and you know the score, everyone knows the score. It's And you can't blame the platforms for this. It's just the way things are. And this is a connected world and you want people to be able to react and adjust and not leave something flawed up there for people to download and, and so on. Nevertheless, because of that, because I'm a family man, and because I have limited hours, I was not able to give this um, the time it deserved, and therefore I've had to put it at number eight, and I have a feeling that if I'd played the whole game, it would be much higher. It is, for many people, their game of the year. Number seven, Return of the Obra Dinn. Uh, this oh, is a long-awaited okay. game by Lucas Pope, which I spent more time on uh, than I did in God of War, which makes me sad for God of War, but makes me very happy for Lucas Pope, who has not just come up with a masterpiece in terms of its technical virtuosity, because it really does look like an old school um, pre-Mac OS uh, Mac game on a monochrome screen. The technique is just stunning. And rather than serving as a gimmick, it actually serves the game beautifully. It makes it atmospheric. I mean, it's an adventure. It's a thriller. It's a whodunit. It's beautiful. It's atmospheric. There's very little chrome. There's very little UI. And it's totally believable. And the style is to die for. I've played this for about, I don't know, three hours. Not very long. I don't think the game itself is much longer than that. I will finish it. But I loved it. Really, really good uh, return to form by the impressive Lucas Pope, who I'm very jealous of. If there's one developer I wish I could be more like, it's it's him. My number six is Donut County. And the only reason I caught this was because it was in Apple's 2018 list. I thought, how oh, come I've not played this? This is from, you know, from one of the guys who worked on um, Edith Finch, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'd heard about it elsewhere. I just kind of missed the release, which was, for me, certainly a, a grave error of omission. But I did start to play it, played it for a few hours, played it with the family as well, and loved it. There is a charm, there is a sweetness, there is a quirkiness. And all of this is wrapped up in the most simple gameplay mechanic. You wonder why nobody's done it before. Sadly, the game got kind of cloned by Hole.io, but it it didn't matter. And it doesn't have any of the charm, doesn't have any of the quirkiness, doesn't have any of the, the gentle... Uh, emotional currents that you'll find in Donut County. It's just, it's just a beautiful iOS game, and anyone can play it. Uh, some beautiful puzzles in there, very clever, very lateral, and uh, played that on the iPhone. Loved it, and I'm still playing it. My number five. Um, this is an old title, but got a re-release this year, and for that reason, it was brought to my attention. This is Atomic Run Gun Jump Gun. 
which for me was one of the most interesting shooters um, I've seen in a long time. It's on iOS and uh, you have to balance between thrusting and firing mm. horizontally in an absolutely brutal environment. It's such an unforgiving game. <laughs> but the beauty of it is the restart is instant and the levels are short. And because of that, you you don't mind dying at all, even if you're really close to the end, because you know that you're getting slightly better every single time. Nothing much is going to change. The audio is great. The visuals are great. It's pixel art, but it's some of the best in a shooter I've seen. And one of the things that surprised me was the writing was fantastic. I mean, the, the aliens in there come up with all kinds of guilt-tripping messages, which are really well-written and very, very clever. So I was very impressed with that. I played that for a very long time. My number four is Florence. Sorry, Atomic Run Gun Jump Gun was an iOS, but I actually played it mostly on Switch. Uh, Florence on iOS. Uh, this is a beautiful game. The thing I loved about Florence was that the emotional bandwidth in this game was nuanced. You didn't have extremes. You know, you don't, you don't have killing, shooting, major trauma, any of that. It was like listening to a record mixed in the 1970s as opposed to one mixed recently. Hmm. You know, it was it, it was like you know you know when you have noise cancelling headphones on mm -hmm. and you hear a bit of rustle and you hear a bit of boom perhaps, you know? Yeah. Um because you've moved the headphones on your head. You start to hear this really subtle stuff that you don't ordinarily hear. You kind of hear a little bit of your breathing. And then that's Florence. And then you take your noise-canceling headphones off and you hear the, the rush of traffic and horns blaring and people cursing. And that's modern games, you know, in your face, maximum amplitude. You know, it's either zero, you're dead, or maximum amplitude, you're on all-out adrenaline and very little in between. I love Florence because it was simple. It was straightforward. It was nuanced. And it used the iPhone really well. I mean, the, the way you interacted with the game was was so... Uh, I'm kind of wary of using this word, but it's the right word. It was sensual. You know, you, you stroked the device, you touched the device, or you left the device alone in some cases for something to happen. And for that reason, I think it's a, bit, it's a work of design genius. So it's my number four. Okay. My, my number three was Dead Cells on Switch. And this was entirely thanks to our friend Federico. Mm -hmm. yes. um, I'd heard it, heard about it from everywhere. It's only when Federico uh, said a few magic words, you know, like he suggested Metroidvania. He talked about roguelike, you know, these little hints dropped in my ear, kind of went round and round my head for a few days. And I said, ah, let's just get it. Let's just get it. I'm going to like it. And you know what I did? I loved it. I did not play this anywhere near as long as you, but it didn't matter. The time I did spend with it was some of the most enjoyable gaming I've had uh, on, on a console in a very long time. Absolutely loved it. And I totally intend to carry on playing this uh, over the next few weeks as work winds down. My second place was Hold Down on iOS. 
Now, this is a game of the year contender for me, and it only narrowly got beaten into second place. But I love this game so much and raved on about it so much and praised the developer so much that we, of course, had him on the show Mm -hmm. just to eke out some of its secrets. It's the perfect mobile game. I'm glad it's on your list, Mike. Uh, But for me, it's the perfect mobile game. The thing I loved about this more than anything else was just how much juice there was everywhere. Juice being little bits of animation, little bits of bounce, little bits of easing, sound for everything, synthesized from scratch for everything, a touch everywhere, feedback for everything. And then there were these little affordances. There were these little helping hints that were subtle and sometimes invisible. And then there was that funny occasion, of course, where I talked Uh, to Martin about something that I thought was going on. And it actually wasn't. I was completely wrong. It was all in my head. And I loved that. I loved it because I was starting seeing things that weren't there or feeling things that weren't there because I expected everything to have that touch of the designer on it. It's like there was not a single pixel, not a single uh, word of the waveform that was out of place. Everything had been accounted for. And I, I have the same um that the the same desire as mike on this i just wish there had been more um and and martin said perhaps uh in hindsight it was a mistake to have an infinite level at the end and perhaps it might have been better but whatever you know the amount of money i spent on it and the amount of pleasure it gave me and my family just beautiful i cannot fault this game except for it there not being more of it and that's exactly how games i think should leave you feeling All right, so that's your list, right? Yep. Okay. All yeah, right. I agree. I think maybe, maybe it's weird. Like maybe a hold down would have been better if it didn't have the infinite level. Just I just kept replaying it. I don't know. Right. Like that's an ending. Yeah. Because there's there's always this like unsatisfying feeling of like if I just play it for long enough, maybe I'll get to the end. <laughs> I felt the same. Right. Even that, like, yeah. oh, he's just Such tricking me. There's definitely an end. Right, but there isn't. But you feel like maybe there, but there isn't. All right, let's take a break, and then we'll do our our winners. Uh, I I have no idea what you two are going to pick. Honestly, <laughs> I okay. do not know. Which is, I'm surprised about that. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace so that you easily create a website for your next idea or project. You can get a unique domain name. You can customize award-winning templates to make your website look beautiful. And these templates also include pay, like templated page structure as well, which can be really useful if you're building a site for a specific reason. You can get 24-7 customer support. It's right there whenever you need it. This is why Squarespace is the all-in-one platform. You don't have to install, patch, or upgrade anything they take care of all of that stuff so you don't have to you can make any type of website you want and can add all of the functionality that you need if you need a website that has a blog in it you can do that even if it's not a blog that you're creating maybe you're creating a website for your company but you want to have a blog there too you can do that maybe you're creating a site and you want to have a store as well you can add a store you can add a store just to sell some stuff a few times all the functionality is there it's super easy to set up that's the 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 resounding thing about squarespace it's all there and it's easy to set up i'm a big fan and i think you should try them out because you will be too go to squarespace.com remaster right now and you can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required their plans start at just 12 dollars a month 
But if you use the code REMASTER at checkout, you will get yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash remaster and the code REMASTER for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their continued support of Remaster and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. What is your game of the year, Mike? Do you guys think you know? I think I do. Uh, I yeah, maybe. I feel but a little bit like I feel a little bit guilty picking it. Uh, but I can't help myself. It's Pokemon. Let's go. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. Why do you feel guilty? Because it's not the best game made this year by a very long margin. I actually it's... think that like every single one of my runners up is a better game. This right? is the best game for you. I know. That's what matters. I, no, I I know. I get it, right? But like this is the difference in the way that we do our game of the year to maybe like a publication. Like no right. publication is putting Pokemon Let's Go as its game of the year, right? Like because it just would not get through the voting process of like we're looking at these specific things and we're grading on this curve. You know, like Pokemon Let's Go is a controversial video game, right? Like it is missing a lot that people like me feel they want, right? Or do want, you know, like, or feel that they need. But Pokemon Let's Go is an absolute, unapologetic, nostalgia-driven choice for me. Like, this is why I'm picking it. Because this game pushes all of the buttons that I, I'm looking for. It my love for this game exceeds my own expectations of how much I was going to love this game. I got everything I wanted and more. So like some parts of this game have been enhanced greatly. Like, you know, and these are the things that we knew, the animations, the music, the dialogue, like these things are all better. Um, the Pokemon being in the overworld, right? So, like, Pokemon just walking around. You were talking about it earlier, Federico. I was playing earlier and I was in a cave. And there was, like, a couple of things that were happening. One, I could just avoid all of the Zubats and Gorbats. But another, like, I was like, oh, there's a Jinx. I don't have one of those yet. Let me go catch it. Like, that addition of being able to see Pokemon walking around... If the ne- if the next game doesn't have that, honestly, that's a regression at this point, because this adds more to the game. It doesn't, in my opinion, does not take anything away. I would be super surprised if anybody wanted it to go back to the random system, because there's still an element of randomness and, and odds in what Pokemon appear. You can still fight every single one of them if you want to, but you don't have to. And it can enhance your gameplay by being more exciting, by being like, holy crap, did I just see a Bulbasaur? Right? Like, yeah. that is more exciting to me than like, all right, let me spend the next hour just running through this in the hopes that I might find like an Oddish. Right? Like, it's, you know, like, I, I, I think that they've created, like, the way that this, the system, the random system it was created, Game Freak, the Pokemon Company, you would not build a game that way. Like, that is not the way you would build the game, in my opinion. Like, if you were starting today, like, you had all the technology of 2018 available to you, it wouldn't be like you just walk around in this grass and random encounters will occur that you have no control over. Like, I don't think you'd make the game that way. And the parts that have been changed did not 
have not affected my enjoyment. Um, the fact that you catch Pokemon by throwing Pokeballs, yeah, it gets frustrating. But for me, it's no more or less frustrating than the like than the random encounter factor, right? Like me finding it annoying when I'm having to use motion controls to throw Pokemon, right? When it's in dock mode, like to throw balls at Pokemon is as frustrating to me as having to constantly press the run button when I wasn't interested in fighting the 20th Zubat. So, like, I feel like that the places where it's lacking, it feels balanced. And then all of the stuff that I know that you are into, Federico, like the stats management stuff, not interested. Like, it's just not a thing for me that I'm interested in doing. I mean, and the thing is, they didn't completely get rid of statistics management, but they just did it differently. Like, now you have to, like get the right candy, right? And then you can boost the stats of the Pokemon by giving them specific candy. But it's not about... Like, it's not done in the same way. And I know that that's a dumbed-down version. Um, I think Let's Go, Pokemon Let's Go, is a, is a wonderful entry into the Pokemon franchise as a whole. And it's only made me more excited for future releases, whilst also, at the same time, completely satiating my need for a Pokemon game every year. Like, I am, like, I am so happy. Like, I'm going to keep playing this game. And I'm going to play it for a few more months, I expect. And then I'll be good. And then I'll start looking forward to next holiday season. Like the way that it's always been for me. Um, I am more excited for the full RPG titles. Because if this is what they consider to be like a kind of dumbed down version of what Pokemon on the Switch can be. Oh my god, what are they going to do? Right? Like, I am so excited for whatever that next game is going to be. But I don't want Let's Go to be a one-off. Like, why I would like a Pokemon Let's Go of every generation. So give me regular games and Let's Go games. Like, I would like that, you know? Like, every two years I get one of them. So they're, like, on a yearly cycle. Like, I want to play Pokemon Gold and Silver like this, you know? Like, I want to play Ruby and Sapphire like this, where it's more simplified and is kind of more about showing you the worlds you know in a fresh way. Um, I also want to throw in a shout out for the Pokeball Plus. It's wonderful. I love it. Like the Pokeball mm. Plus is as close as I will probably ever get to feel to being a Pokemon trainer. Like it is definitely one of the reasons I love this game because this whole game for me is is about giving me the experience I had 20 years ago again. And 10-year-old Mike would be very happy to have a Pokeball controller that he can throw to catch Pokemon that makes noises when he catches them. Like, it's pretty perfect. I love Pokemon Let's Go. I love it so much. Um, And I stand by my statement that this might be the first time I ever go for a 150. Um, Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful game for me. All right. Okay, so... um... I was totally expecting that, and it makes sense. Um, that's a great pick. Um, so my game of the year, I think, is going to surprise you for a few reasons. Um, one of them being its release date. One of them being oh my god. Um, one of them being maybe the fact that I that I talked about that sales for so long, but. The factor that I considered when choosing between Dead Cells and this game was what kind of emotional connection do you feel to this game? I can't believe you're picking this. And what 
like when you play this game does it make you feel happy in a way that other games make you feel my game of the year is super smash bros wow. ultimate wow <laughs> ever since it came that. out wow. ever since it came out last week i've already put 40 hours into holy this moly game. federico how i play a night and i don't sleep a lot um, <laughs> I am really <laughs> surprised about this. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate was one of the games that I was really looking forward to, but I I didn't talk about it much. I didn't really follow all the news because I didn't want to be let down. Um, because yeah. I was kind of let down with the Wii U and the 3DS version uh, a few years ago. And I've always been chasing this wild... I, like many others, have been chasing this wild dream of a proper follow-up to Melee on the on the GameCube. That game on the GameCube I used to play I used to play 15 years ago. Um, so I think it stands alongside Final Fantasy Tactics as one of the games that I've played the most for my life, uh, over 200 hours, mm-hmm. um, possibly more. I should actually check on my GameCube. Um, and and for years I wanted to have a Super Smash Brothers game that felt as intuitive to pick up, but as deep and as right. Right is the is the is the only word that I can describe it. The combat has to feel right. It has to feel fast, but precise, and it has to feel intuitive, but also it has to have a certain amount of depth in that you can play and just smash buttons randomly, but also you need to be able to play and know what you're doing. And ever since it came out, I know it's only been 10 days or something. Um, I've been playing this game obsessively, and I and I didn't make this decision lightly, especially because the other game came out six months ago, almost, on the Switch, and I also played for a lot of hours. But ever since it came out, I've been playing Smash on the Switch, and I kept going back to the idea that it just feels right. And that it is the game that I've been waiting for for the past 15 years, a proper follow-up to Super Smash on the GameCube. And what I like the most about this game is that it runs on the Switch, and so it has that flexibility of the console. Mm-hmm. But it also appeals not only to multiplayer usage, but also to single player. So there's two things that I want to cover here. Actually, three. First one is graphics. It looks great. It looks lovely. It's got... You're looking at these dozens of characters between the main fighters and the support characters. It looks amazing. It looks like a Nintendo encyclopedia. If there ever was one, hmm. this is it. All the con- All the franchises that Nintendo launched over the years, as well as third-party games like Street Fighter, uh, Street Fighter and Metal Gear Solid, everybody's here, and it's amazing. It looks amazing. The flexibility of the Switch, the fact that I can play on my big TV or in portable mode, the fact that I can play with the Joy-Cons or with the Pro Controller or with my GameCube controller I is amazing. I bought a wireless adapter for the GameCube controller that I bought in the Wii U uh, days of Smash for the Wii U. I am now playing Smash with this wireless adapter called the 8-Bit G-Bros that I got from Amazon. Um, But I already asked my mom to go find the WaveBird wireless controller for the GameCube that is still at my parents' place. Um, So I'm going to play with that. The flexibility is amazing, and it gives me the option to play 
on the TV, but also in, in bed if I just want to play with in portable mode with the screen next to my face, or I can play in the kitchen, I can play wherever. Um, the single-player campaign... Uh, it's called Spirits. Uh, it's uh, the, the Spirits Adventure or something like that. World of Light is the is uh, the actual name of the campaign. It's like a mini, simplified, extremely simplified RPG in the sense that you have this huge world map, and you need to travel from point to point, uh, and each uh, each fight has certain rules and conditions. Um, and it's based on this new system of spirits, and spirits are like uh, are kind of like skills that you equip and that you can uh, evolve over time. But it, uh, instead of being actual skills, they are characters. So I don't know. You can have a spirit that is a character from Fire Emblem or a character from Zelda, and each spirit carries a unique set of traits and stats. And you need to mix and match multiple spirits in the same fight if you want to overcome your opponent and the conditions of the stage. So it ties into all the aspects that make Smash such a great game. The fact that you're not just fighting and randomly pushing buttons, but you also need to think about strategy and you also need to think about how a stage is changing, you know, essentially under your feet. Um, and the spirits mode, the fact that you can collect so many spirits there are over 1200 of them um and there are different tiers of spirits from the basic ones to advanced to ace and legendary i just unlocked my first two legendary spirits last night um there's this collection mechanic that is if you know me you know i'm, I'm gonna go crazy over this stuff and the more you keep playing the get the better you get at fighting but also the more stuff you unlock and the more stuff you unlock the more powerful you become, and therefore you can explore different parts of the map. Mm -hmm. But that being said, there's also traditional Smash. Uh, so you can have a traditional Smash gameplay, you can have tournaments, you can have the story mode. Everything is here. And this is the tagline that, <laughs> that um, Sakurai kept saying, everybody's here. And in terms of content, also everything is here, from multiplayer to single player, from traditional campaign to story mode to Smash to training. And you can view all of the things that you unlock. Um, it is an amazing game. It doesn't take me more than 10 days to make this decision. Some things, you just know when they feel right. Um, and some things, you just, you just, some games, you just know whether you're going to play them for the next few months or not. And I know that it came out less than two weeks ago, but we're still in 2018, so... I'm following the rules. And if I had to pick between that cells and Super Smash, considering the emotional attachment that I have to Super Smash, considering all the years I've been waiting, considering all the hours I've been playing this game obsessively every day since it came out, and all the hours I'm going to play in the future, this is a game that came out in 2018, and this is my game of the year 2018, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate on the Switch. Man, wow, that's I was not expecting me. that. I, I would not have guessed it. And it's not, again, nothing wrong with it, right? Like, you, your reasoning is perfectly sound. It just didn't occur to me because it's just come out. Also because 
I'm not massively interested in it because I'm just not no. very good at fighting games. And I know you've told me that it's still worth trying, so probably at some point I'll be bored and I'll get it, right? Like, I'll just mm-hmm. get it and try it. But I got Smash for the Wii U and I was just so unimpressed because I just didn't enjoy playing it. It's not a good Smash. <laughs> I, <laughs> God, I... Yeah, uh, and uh, it's yeah. It, I I might give it a go at some point, but um, I'm more, maybe more interested in the fact that there is a single player campaign because I figure I can get through that at least, and maybe I'll learn how to play better in multiplayer. But yeah, I feel like I never really fully understood Smash Brothers. Right, that, like stuff like you know, like it always struggles to stick in my brain that actually the objective is to knock somebody off the stage, not just to keep beating them up. Mm-hmm. right there's just like slight differences between it and other yeah. fighting games but i am very pleased that you enjoy it so much that you would push everything out right like i think that definitely says something yeah okay shade i think this is going to come as a bit of a surprise mm-hmm. i became a professional video games developer in 1982 and I stopped focusing on the development side in 1997 when I switched to publishing. And then in 2005, I moved to PlayStation. And then finally, 2015, December, I left. And that entire period from 1997 to 2015, I was literally counting down the time I'd spent away from development. And hoping that one day there would be a way back. And towards the back end of 2014, Mike Bithell visited the PlayStation offices. You know, we were talking to him about stuff. And he brought an Oculus Rift. And I put it on. And my life changed immediately. Because what that thing did for me was it gave me hope that there was still a chance for me in a new wave, in a new medium that was uncharted territory. And so the gears started whirring in my head and I started to think about how I could do this and when a good time would be and... And that whole idea of going back to development just carried on picking up momentum. And then I've been working on some VR stuff since and watching the medium grow and watching people do interesting mechanics and so on. Exploring the medium, you know. But what I didn't see until very recently was a real video game that took all of the things that we love about video games and transfer them seamlessly, almost intuitively, to a brand new paradigm. And I've been playing what I consider to be the first real example of this, and it has utterly stolen my heart. And the game is Astrobot Rescue Mission. I have never heard of this game. (laughs) it is to vr what super mario 64 was 
for oh, Nintendo 64. I've played a demo of this. There was actually a, a demo done a while ago before it, came it was with Astro the Robot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've played this yeah, game on the demo. That it was brilliant. Was inspired this. Yeah, yeah. That, that mechanic, that camera following the the little player mechanic yeah i remember inspired this game when i got the psvr i remember talking about this game because i (laughs) funnily enough you should say all this i was super impressed because it felt like this is a way to do vr that isn't what you expect which is like you are the person, right? Which is like, that's how basically every VR game is, right? Like, right. you are the player. But this was like, no, imagine you're, it's a platforming game, but you can see the whole world. Yep. Oh, this so, is awesome. I didn't even know yeah. they made a full game. Yeah, it's inspired by that. This is done by Japan Studio. Okay. And it is absolute perfection. I have not found a single flaw in it yet. I've played this game for hours and hours and hours thinking that I'd spent 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I have not had that experience in a video game since I was a late teenager. Or maybe early 20s. Man, I wish yeah. this was on the Rift. <laughs> yeah, it's a PSVR exclusive. <laughs> yeah, not, not, it's not a surprise. <laughs> a imagine, everything, it, <laughs> imagine everything that, that you were surprised by. In Super Mario 64 and seeing how that translates to a completely new yeah. paradigm. Yeah. It's that kind of shift. It's a proper video game. It's a charming video game. It's an enchanting video game. It is totally a video game. There, there's nothing in there that you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's completely brand new. There are little touches that make you realize that you're in VR. Here's an interesting thing. It has a simultaneous first and third person camera. What do I mean by that? You've got your little bots, but you as the player controlling the bots are also a character in the game that can be affected by the physical world. And you have to play with both of those at the same time. And it's not in the least confusing, except for the first time it happens when it totally breaks the fourth wall and takes you utterly by surprise and then makes you laugh out loud hysterically. That's very, very clever. Utterly hysterical. It's it's got absolutely rock solid frame rate. I mean, it's I I don't know if it's ninety or one twenty. I'd be extremely surprised if it was one twenty, but it's if it's ninety, it's rock solid ninety. Whatever it is, it's totally rock solid, and I didn't get a single bit of discomfort, no matter what. There are so many beautiful touches in this game. The little bot characters are so charming, so cute. I mean, different different level cute different generation cute because you're right there they're they're literally in the palm of your hand and when i say literally i mean literally you're holding the controller they're jumping into the controller they're waving at you they got cute laughs they got cute screams when they die they have endearing qualities you can hear them uh, calling out for your help as you look you look over your shoulder and there it is high up on a ledge somewhere It takes all of the mechanics that people have been experimenting with and puts them all in the game and blends them absolutely perfectly. You've got scale in there. You've got height explored. You've got vertigo explored. You've got stuff happening at a distance to give you drama. You've got enormous bosses that that seem impossibly large. 
And then you've got these characters that are extremely small and cute. All of the things that you love about the cutest platform games have been given a new sheen by being in VR. The music is absolutely beautiful. And I'm really, really surprised by this because after playing it for a while, I wouldn't go out on a limb and say that there was innovation there. And yet when you think about it, what is innovation? Innovation is not invention. Invention has already been done. The invention is a VR platform, right? Innovation is a change on something that's already happened. So actually it's full of innovation because it takes platforming into a completely new place. So you might be exploring some girders, or rather your character's exploring some girders, and you're following behind. Well, you can't quite see the character, so of course you just lean forward and look around the side of the vertical girder, and there it is. And you're thinking, how on earth do I get to that point? And then you look over your shoulder and you think, ah, there's a path. Or you'll look high above and you'll wonder, how am I going to get up there? And, And you ignore it for a while. And then you hear a little bot crying out for help. You think, oh, where is that coming from? I can't see it. And you turn your head, turn your head. Oh, my God, it's right up there. And it's leaning over a ledge and it's waving down at you. That's something that simply couldn't happen in a traditional video game. And there is touch after touch after touch like that in here. You won't go, you know, you won't immediately play this game and start thinking, oh, I'm utterly blown away. But you'll find it so endearing, so charming, so beautiful, so natural, so well-designed, such excellent progression, such joy, that it it really does feel like you're living a dream. So for, for all of those reasons and many more, Astrobot Rescue Mission is my game of the year for 2018. And who knew? It's a PSVR game. What a, what a selection <laughs> we've got here. Um, Let's po- make sense of that if we can. Pokemon Let's Go, Astrobot, res- Astrobot Rescue Mission, right? Astrobot Rescue yep. Mission yeah. and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. We can't come to a consensus on this, right? <laughs> because Impossible. Because we haven't all played all the games anyway, right? Me and Shane have not played Smash. Federico and me have not played Astrobot, so... These are all very sentimental choices. Yes, they are. And that's, I mean, really, that's that. I guess that is then not surprising, considering our show, right? Right. I think a lot, for the three of us, and I think it's why we do this show anyway, and it's why the name is what it is, we are three gamers who care a lot about sentimentality, nostalgia, and emotion in the games that we play. And they right. always tend to to, to, to to do well for us. And these there is those exact things running through all of this. All right, before we wrap up, platform of the year. I mean, we're all saying Nintendo Switch, right? Uh, well, I am. <laughs> I mean, I am. Are you Shane? Yep, totally. Yeah, like Absolutely. They, no surprise at all. 100%. Like, you know, I think there was a lot of question about what was Nintendo going to do this year. Like, how, how effective were they going to be? in their first full calendar year. Uh, and the answer is very effective. Even without a, a, another Zelda-like game, they have absolutely destroyed it, right? Like, just some numbers that have been thrown around recently, but they had, like, the best-selling uh, weekend for video games consoles over the Black Friday weekend, uh, beating the Wii, 
right? They sold more mm-hmm. Switches than they sold Wiis over that weekend in, in each of their peaks. I mean, Pokemon uh, broke the like the the Nintendo record weekend record in Japan uh, for most sold. I think sold like over like I think it's like one and a half million copies or something. Um, it, you know, they are continuing to smash records left and right without what anything that at the start of the year we thought was really going to be a big thing for them. Um, and I mean, we're going into next year with the possibility of Metroid. <laughs> Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. a full uh, uh, Pokemon game. We have our first, uh, again, it's a remaster, but our first 2D Mario, right? Because uh, they're, they're remastering uh, Mario yeah. and Luigi U, right? Brothers U. What else have we got on the horizon for next year? Um... I think that's pretty much it. I think that, of, that yeah, the stuff. Uh, that there's was, the the um, the Yoshi game. Yes, there is. There's there the, is the Yoshi game, and did they say whether Luigi's Mansion is coming in 2019 or not? I don't, I don't think, they, think did. they did. It was just like, oh, hey, Luigi's Mansion, but like, yeah. you know, could be. Uh, yeah. It could be. I don't think we're going to get any Zelda in 2019, but we may get an announcement of a new Zelda for 2020 or something, 2021, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we. I think it's safe to say that we were... I, I remember saying at the beginning of the year, what is Nintendo going to do without games? Uh, without big games yep. such as Zelda or Mario or Splatoon 2 in 2018? And the answer is just let... A bunch of other people make games yeah, the, for the Switch. The Nintendo Switch <laughs> is absolutely inundated at the moment. It, with, it now has, I read an article, it now has 1,400 games in the first year and a half. So There is like all indie publishers, ton of iOS games. I'm yep. seeing Make the Jump. Um, you know, we're getting more... Uh, ports of AAA games like it has been a very surprising year um, and I only expect that 2019 will be more so because now more publishers will have started work on games because that Switch is an absolute phenomenon like it has continued to sell in numbers that we wouldn't have expected and I can't wait to see where it ends up going. Has anybody got any other like other platforms they want to mention? I think Shahid does. Yeah, I'm very surprised to say that my runner-up this year goes to the iPhone, and I really didn't oh. expect to say that. <laughs> I was expecting VR. Me too. I, I thought no. I was going to say PSVR. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. It, because it's just down to the sheer number of games I played on iOS this year. I mean, over 100 games this year on iOS. Uh, I bought pretty much anything that looked even vaguely interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I say buy, I mean mostly buy because I prefer bought stuff to the free-to-play. Though I have downloaded an obscene number of idle clickers for some reason. Mm-hmm. I was very attracted to those for quite some time and still am, actually. Good examples of that are, are, are just ridiculously compelling. But the thing that really surprised me this year is that innovation on iOS continues. My engagement with iPhone is a lot easier uh, than 
than it is on other platforms for all of the reasons we've talked about, particularly with relation to consoles. You know, it's it's not a criticism of the other platforms. It's just the stage of life I'm in, I guess. And the iPhone is a very, very convenient way for me to be able to enjoy the continuing innovation that the device still sees and some really, really great games. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've just had a look at my list. You know, there's, there's three iOS games on my list. That's really surprising. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would say that, you know, with what you're doing, it's where I have kind of always been for years. I, I probably buy at least one iOS game a week. Um, and, mm. and have done for a long time. You know, like I peruse what goes up. But I always look at the game of the day and stuff like that on the App Store. Um, there's always new things. I'm always downloading new stuff. Um, a lot of it doesn't stick past the initial playthrough, which is perfectly fine. I mean, that most of the time, it's all I'm looking for. is like, what is what is the game I'll play when I've got a couple of minutes over the next few weeks? And um, there's a lot of stuff that I buy. I do try a lot of free stuff as well. It just depends on whatever is... Uh, grabbing my interest but you know like i enjoyed uh the episode that you did with john last week federico it was a you know it's that it's funny that you know we say ios but really the iphone is where the the good stuff is happening uh Mm -hmm. in ios gaming the ipad is falling behind what it should be accomplishing um really you know the ipad is like oh there's what ios what iphone game do i like that i'd like on a bigger screen and it's not nothing more than that. Like that's where yeah. gaming, like gaming, is not professional if you would call it that on the iPad Pro, because there's so many things that are missing. But it is still overall a great gaming platform for mobile gaming. Um, but it could be and should be more. But yeah, I, I would I would say yeah for sure. I mean, like you know, over the last year, uh, I've obviously gotten into PC gaming a lot, but I I don't feel like um, PC gaming has changed the last year right like uh so i mean i i but i have been more interested in pc and iphone games than in my playstation um so you know like i've only played my the first time i played my playstation this like in 2018 uh was was spider-man and then some of red dead so Um, but it definitely feels like like how sony is not going to be exhibiting at e3 like playstation 4 is wrapping up now um, and uh, I'm intrigued to see if what Microsoft's gonna be, how they're gonna position the Xbox, because it's clear that sure there's still some games to come for the PlayStation, but I don't. I would be very surprised if we get any big games next year for the PlayStation that we don't already know about. Um, it it feels like we're getting ready for PS5, but that was 2018. Mm-hmm. We'll be back next year. <laughs>